in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. Sean Hackett is a financial advisor in Boca Raton, Florida with Hackett Financial. And this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow, tractor zoom, delivering insights, and dry shod boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing really good, Casey. Really, really good. Good deal, man. Well, I have... Uh, I've kind of had about all the doom and gloom I can handle, I think. We, we've talked about um, every time I turn the news on, it's uh, we're, we're never going to get back to normal. It's it's all these crazy things that are going on around us. Uh, the price of corn this, the price of soybeans that, oil's here, this, that, and the other thing. Um, the reason things are the way they are right now is because people are locked down and, and there are there are slowly starting to open things back up and we're slowly starting to get things back to normal um it is planting season right everyone's out planting corn and soybeans right now which traditionally is uh you hit the low anyway in the market during this time anyhow um so there are some there are some things out there there is some panic out there there is some and rightfully so you start looking at the uh the board and you start seeing 270 cash corn and you start seeing uh you know, $8 beans and you start looking at these different things and you're like, holy crap, you know, $18, $19 oil and ethanol is buy one, get one free. And if you get that, we'll just, <laughs> we'll just give the, we'll give you the rest of it if you take it too, you know, and, yeah. um, yeah. Thing, but what I want to focus on today is the direct correlation between, you know, gasoline and diesel and then, um, biofuels, whether it's biodiesel or ethanol and how those, how those are going to be a great how those correlate with each other and the signals that you see. So this time last year or two years ago, I guess, the EPA mandated that for every gallon of gasoline, there had to be um, 10 to 15% of it had to be ethanol. And there's some yearly blends and those kind of things that uh, seasonal blendings and those kind of things that kind of fall into that. But it's, it basically averages out to about 10 or 15%. Um, as you look at the oil marketplace, it is in the shambles that it's in because they have they have physically filled up every nook and cranny with oil they can on the planet. And ethanol is the same way. They filled up every nook and cranny they can with ethanol and they just can't produce anymore because there's no place else to put it. So I guess as you take a look at the last three weeks, and you mentioned this last time we were on, uh, last week when we did this, and then also this week we, before we started, you talked about the same thing, that over the last three weeks, gasoline stocks and ethanol stocks have had a had had fallen uh, three weeks in a row, and we haven't even opened up the country yet. Okay, so now yeah. let's take a look at where we're at now, and as you're in the great state of Florida, and three-quarters of Florida is open up right now, except for the part where you live at. But everybody else everybody else can kind of go do whatever they want. But uh, I guess as you take a look at this unfolding uh, of this uh, lockdown situation that we're in, um, what's the correlation between gasoline and ethanol, and, and how is that going to to spring forward the, uh, I guess, the, uh, the demand for corn uh, over the next couple months? 
Well, I mean, our base case is that by July, and this has been our case for quite some time, by July, to whatever extent we can reopen, we do understand that we're not going to get back to where we were exactly. But exactly. To the extent that yes. we can get back to wherever we can, we will be fully operational to that level by July. Um, at the level of production of ethanol, and at the level of production of crude oil that will be in place by then, because remember now, ethanol production has just dropped down almost to very little, and, and now crude oil production is on a slippery slope downward. Um, the, uh, the demand growth that we're going to see, we're already starting to see, but we're going to see is going to very, very quickly just rip those ethanol stocks and those excessive, uh, you know, oil stocks very, very quickly off the table. Um, and, and as that happens, I mean, we're already seeing ethanol prices rise, by the way. I don't know if you looked at a chart of ethanol prices, but they've already been, look at a chart and you go, I need to buy that. Like, it just, just look at it and go, that looks like, you know, it's starting to come out of the bottom. I mean, so, so, so prices are going to quickly respond because the bad thing about crude oil is you just don't shut it well off. Just like that, it, it, it takes some time. you got to yeah. think about it. And yep. and ethanol production, just say, I'm done. <laughs> right. And that's what we just stop. So ethanol production and ethanol prices are going to go down much, much quicker on, on just the beginning turning point of crude oil starting to turn up. Um, it's going to happen very, very fast. I don't think you really understand how quickly, how sensitive the ethanol price is going to be as this uh, gasoline demand starts to improve. And so all these forecasts, these balance sheets that are using you know, ethanol done for the rest of the year are sorely, sorely overestimating the loss of demand and, and are going to have to dramatically reduce um, you know, their ending stocks expectations as this turns around. And, and sentiment-wise, you know, you've got all these, you know, every speculator out there is short the corn market because they're going to make their fortune on this idea that ethanol has been busted and we're going to $2 corn. Um, my experience for all the decades that I've been doing this is that it's, it's very, very rare that you are going to get that kind of an easy trade. It doesn't work that way. If it, 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 easy trades are, don't exist. It, it's always a trade that you don't want to do that, that is, turns out to be most profitable. So, so and I, every farmer I talk to, everybody I'm in the business talking to, no one is going to be selling corn. No one is going to be, unless they're forced to, and most of them have already sold the business. So, so I don't see any appetite for any selling. So if this demand starts to come back, Casey, if, if, the, if the ethanol producers start to get up corn and say, hey, we need some corn, the farmer is going to be like, you know, you know, I'm not, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> we think 370, 380 corn just is probably where farmers would begin to say, you know what, I'll do that. Uh, but I just don't see any appetite you know, selling three, three, ten futures, two seventy-five cash. So I think we actually have a corn shortage here, meaning that as this demand comes back to normal or, or normalizes back to something more normal, farmers aren't going to sell here. They're just, they're just going to lock it in the bin and say, "I'm taking my chances." I see Brazil's having community spread. I see, you know, we're, we're just starting a growing season. You almost always get a weather problem. You know, we're going to take a chance that ethanol is going to come back. You know, who knows? You know, I mean, there's so many factors that could cause the Chinese, even though there's all kinds of bearishes, they're not going to do this, they're not going to do that. We think they're going to be very, very large buyers this, this summer, um, you know, for U.S. agriculture. And so all these things are out there that the farmers can say, you know what, I'm going to take a shot that we're going to get 
you know, a rally, and then we get to 373 in the futures or something like that, I'll think about selling some corn. But right now, I'm just sitting tight because I got nothing to lose. I'm already broke anyway. I don't right. say that. I don't. I don't right. say that at all. But when you got nothing to lose, but you know, I mean, let's let's what happen? I mean, what do they do? So they got nothing to lose by by waiting it out, and I, that means to me that while the balance sheet say all the supplies available, I think very little is actually available right now. Yeah. The only people selling corn here are the speculators, and I think they're almost done. Yeah. So every every news show that I watch, every every article I read, everything it's just there's this it's like they've it's like the guys that, that were writing that, those stories and, and giving those interviews and those kind of things have forgot about the correlator between ethanol and fuel. And I think if there was no if there wasn't that thing there and we were still doing the subsidies and we were relying on um you know, the government to come in and, and bail out the ethanol industry, I totally get that, and I would have a completely different opinion right now than, than what right. I had. If this was 2008, my, 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 uh, my, my opinion would be dramatically different. But as you look now, I just I don't see the doom and gloom in corn. I mean, I, I know it is right now. I know it sucks right now, but I think that kind of to what you said, that it's, it's, a, it's a shorter-term rebound than what people think it is strictly based off of ethanol demand and what you see. Well, Casey, you talked about it, and I talked about customers. I have this very simple conversation with them. I say, okay, you agree that most of the U.S. economy that can be opened up will be opened up probably by July. Most people say, I agree with that. Okay, good. What do you think the demand for gasoline is going to be between now and then? Well, it's going to go up a lot. Correct. So what does that mean for the demand for ethanol? Well, it's going to go up a lot. Correct. Are we produ- how, much, how much ethanol are we producing right now? Very little. Correct. What do you think is going to happen to ethanol prices? Well, then they all hunt, they start, they can tell what I'm trying to do. Right. They can, well, I'm trying to back them into, and then all of a sudden they go, well, I'll say the price has to go higher, right? Yeah, but so they, just, they, they, they haven't thought this through to haven't really, they got emotion, they're so emotional about this that they're not really thinking straight. Of course, ethanol demand is going to go through the roof. Of course, those stocks are going to crash. Of course, the price of ethanol is going to go back up. Some of the ethanol producers are going to go, hey, I can make some money again. Get, get Farmer Joe on the phone, let's get some corn bought. I mean, that, this is the, you know, we still have an American system that profit rules, money rules, right? And right. the money's there, the plants are going to reopen. So, look, I get it. It's definitely a bearish time. The time to have been worried about corn prices and this bear scenario was three months ago. You know, when the virus first hit and the, and the uh, worry about what would happen to energy prices and ethanol prices and ethanol production when, when that first hit. But that was the three months ago you should have been trading this reality. The reality is if you're trying to price forecast corn, you have to look at what are the, what are, what's going to be the sound bites from the stories three to five months from now. Higher energy demand, higher gasoline demand, reduced ethanol stocks, reduced gasoline stocks, increased ethanol production. That's going to be the story three or four months from now. And I'm not saying this is $6 corn, but it's not $3 corn. It's right. going to be something, and it's going to, you know, and, you know, for $3 corn, a 20 or 30% rally, which is a huge move, you know, just get, get you back to 
just get you back to kind of where we were. Really, right. quite frankly. Yep. But, but it's a big move from here, and so I think you need to calm down, take a deep breath, and realistically think that this is a forced economic shutdown. 08, 09 was different. We got ourselves in trouble because of the, of the uh, uh, real estate bubble, and, and there was no quick wait. Like, we just couldn't restart the economy in 08, 09 because we got there through other forces. We purposely did this. Right. And we could purposely get ourselves not all the way out, but a good way out of it just by making the decision to reopen, which we are starting to do. Very different cases. This is a very different scenario in 09 where it took years to get yourself out of that problem. This, you know, we're going to get ourselves out of a lot of the problems just by reopening things in the next three to six months. And there's going to be a, a post-virus rally in markets that we've seen every other pandemic we've ever had. All the research we've done says the post-virus rally it is powerful after you get through the other side, which we believe we're at now. So we yep. be optimistic. And if there's people on your program you know, that are depressed and, and keep the faith, I think they will be well rewarded by letting things play out in the next couple of months. I think they will see that the reality of the situation is far less bearish than the current current answer would say. Yeah, the other side of that too is 60% of our ag products go into into the restaurant business. And yeah. and that's where we're at right now with that, especially these guys in, in the Southwest and California and in Michigan and those kind of places where they're, they're, uh, the produce side of the business is not... Um, they don't have anywhere to go with it, right? There's only so much you can send to a grocery store, and the rest of that stuff goes into, you know, making food and stuff like that at restaurants. So, uh, it's again, I'm not saying that if they said tomorrow, everybody go do whatever you want, damn social distancing, go do it. It's not going to rebound in a week, right? And it won't rebound in a month. It won't rebound in, in six months. It's probably going to be a full rebound over a couple years type of thing, right? right. But that that immediate spurt that first 90 days after the fact are huge i mean this the amount of products that are going to flow back in to the marketplace that are you know these cattle that are stuck in the the feedlot or the hogs that aren't getting processed now we got to get processing facilities back open and and do all those different things and make all that stuff work like you're supposed to but end of the day um when it opens up and june july time frame is when everything's slated to really kind of go um with the protests and stuff that are happening and all the stuff that's going on the quote-unquote i don't want to say social unrest isn't probably the right word to use but people are getting fed up of not doing anything and, and what it looks like so uh politically there's going to be some some pushing that happens and it's going to make things move forward and when that happens we're going to see things take off and run and we're going to like you said we created this. We just got to get it back going. Um, it's not a, an economic disaster that has banks on the edge of of, bank, of of busting. You know what I mean? This is this is a whole different thing. So, hopefully, knock on wood, we can get people. Our, out our, our base case <clears throat> is that the food service side by July. Our base case is that we get our we get half the demand back that we want. That's our base case. Meaning, okay, you're not going to let it. Uh, and they're not going to let a restaurant have a, a full house. They're going to require you know, that they remain 50% full or something. And not everybody's going to want to go. And not everybody, not every business can open up because they went bankrupt. So all of that, we're thinking that you know, we could have, have, at least base case, half that demand back by July. And so, so going from nothing 
you're getting 50% back. And then remember, so much food is spoiled mm-hmm. uh, at these restaurants that they not only have to reopen and there's that, that daily demand that comes in, they have to refill you know, their inventories because you just can't have just enough food for today. You have to have some in reserve, you know, dairy products and stuff. And so you're going to have the restocking demand for restaurants. And then you're going to have the ongoing demand of, well, 50% of demand is at least back on an ongoing basis. And that shift is going to be so, happen so fast. And the bidders are going to have to come into the market and aggressively try to buy at a time that farmers are basically saying, I'm not selling anything here because I'm broke if I do. It's pretty powerful what's going to happen here. And yes, you're right. It's, this is a longer-term workout. There's no illusions of grandeur here. That this is uh, It's all back to normal in two months. But appreciate how powerful that demand rebound will be for the markets based on current consensus and current sentiment. It's been pretty powerful. And I don't think people, I think people are underestimating what that looks like. Yep, absolutely. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Um, if folks want to reach out to you and uh, pick your brain or just get some of the reports you've got, what's the best place to do that at? Our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. All kinds of sample reports and podcasts and things to uh, have them take a good look at what we do to see if we can help them. Right on. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Uh, check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our, all the latest podcast drops. And every once in a while, I chime in with, with my two cents. Also, check out uh, the Global Ag Network and all the great people out there that are podcasting every day. And uh, check out the Moving Iron website at movingironllc.com for the latest blog posts. Also, check out the uh, the information for the 2020 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, where you get to see Sean Hackett give a great presentation about stuff we just talked about here. So um, until next time, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Keep the faith, folks, and let's go move some iron. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hard-working people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher.